0: coach john here back again today's date is april 17th 2019 which means it's a wednesday uh definitely got a lot going on which is always good especially when it's good stuff um been meeting a lot of great people uh from the standpoint of um, the podcast and reaching out and uh, some people connecting and um just reaching out let me know that they enjoy what they hear which is fantastic so please keep sharing that you know hop on over to uh You know, the ratings, whether it's on iTunes or something else that you listen to, uh, would be so, so appreciative. Uh, Part three, Masters. Things that I learned from the Masters. Lessons from the Masters. Uh, Again, wrapping up the first two sessions. If you haven't listened to that, uh, jump back over to the previous two shows. uh, Listen to parts one and two. But uh, again, had a great opportunity to head down to Augusta, Georgia. Lifelong dream, just about as long as I can remember, at least as far as to see Augusta national and, uh, it did not disappoint at all. Just a fantastic time. I've went through some lessons that I've learned. Um, definitely some more that I wanted to wrap up uh, the three part series here, uh, with the, the, the pure beauty, the pure pride of that place. That was another thing. Um, talking to, uh, a couple of the marshals, um, Jim and I went walking real quick before we left. Uh, We walked down. There's a pathway uh, next to the eighth hole. The smell of the flowers was unbelievable. It's like nothing I've ever smelled before, just intoxicating. Gorgeous smells, gorgeous looks, um, just amazing time. So as we went down there, we looked around a little bit. We started coming back. We walked uh, close to the eighth hole. And there was a marshal sitting there, and I wanted to talk to him, and just ask him, you know, how long has been doing this? And uh, they had this venting system throughout the whole course, they had these huge uh, vents uh, in the ground where a lot of air was coming out of it. And uh, it would be one of those M- Marilyn Monroe moments, like if you walked over it and you had something that would fly up, it was powerful enough that it would it would force that short, skirt, whatever, um, to fly up or something to fly out of your hand, for that matter. And so we came up to him and just said, hi, how you doing? And he said, great, welcome to the Masters, like they always said. uh and I asked him, how long he has been doing this? This is his 20th year. And he kind of laughed. He says, my wife is kind of wondering, he's an older guy, older than us. Uh, my wife's kind of wondering when I'm going to give it up. And he, he kind of chuckled. And he's like, why would I give this up? He's sitting there in the middle, uh, on the side, you know, in, in the rough, right along the, the crowd ropes um, uh, on the 8th fairway. And he goes, you know, I get to help people. I get to talk to people. I get to see world-class golfers. You know, he's been doing it for 20 years, he said. Uh, He goes, I don't know if I'll ever give this up. And I said, nor should you. This is a fantastic dream. And again, he had that look on his face like, this is freaking awesome. I just love what I do type of thing, you know. Uh, And we're talking about the blower system, and he said, you know what? They could have 10 inches of rain on the greens and stuff. This system that they have in place would suck it dry, would just clean it off, you know, keep things rolling, and uh, it's that powerful. And then he said something that was really cool. Uh, Augusta National brings in a few hundred—I don't forgot the exact number—but a few hundred uh, golf superintendents, those people that um, run the courses, right across different um, courses across the country. They bring in these superintendents that um, the the green, uh, the mowing, the, the taking care of things, the just everything golf course management-wise, right? The course itself, and they bring them in, and they. These superintendents help at the master's getting the course ready. Okay, And it's not just that they get to come in and help. They come in and learn. They come in and find out what a world-class event, how it's run, how the course is taken care of, all these little tidbits of um, running things the right way and doing things the right way when it comes to golf course management. And they take their knowledge back with them. I think it's a fantastic, um, a fantastic, you know, uh, entourage that comes in there of learning. It's great for the game of golf. This group of people that are so passionate about it—this is what they do for a living. Uh, it's just fantastic that they work together for a win-win situation, right? In leadership, uh, getting off topic here a little bit, win-win is always great. I win, you win, right? It's not just I beat you, I win, you lose. Um, They are in there helping, getting the course ready for the world-class tournament that it is, but they also take back with them uh, tips and tricks and things to go back and do with their own golf course to make things better. Uh, That's one, and again, the other reason I really love golf. Uh, They play at different courses. You're battling the elements. You're battling yourself. uh, You're battling other people, of course, in a tournament type of thing, but mostly you're battling yourself. It's that inner mind game. And it's one of the toughest games to ever win, whether you're talking golf, life, you know, um, success, um, you know, relationships, everything. It's an inner game. You've got to work on yourself. And that's what uh, I've been reminded about over and over again this week with uh, my leadership speakers in class. Uh, it's an inside game. It's an inside job that we have to take care of things. Uh, we've got to fix ourselves first you know, before we can go out there and help uh, help other people. Uh, so I thought that was just tremendous, right? As far as the the game is bigger than any uh, any of us. any person, um, any boss, right? Hey, I'm the superintendent of this course. They are out there learning. They're out there being students again. That's a big part of leadership too. So I just thought that was a great lesson. And again, the guy's face said it all. He just loved doing what he did. Uh, there was one of the security guards offered to take our picture. You know, he was there working again, older guy, but just the friendliest guy. He knew, from working there all these years, he knew how special this place was to people, right? Very, very customer service focused. You know, hi, welcome to the Masters, everybody. You know, the prices of the things. I, I talked about that, the, the free parking. They want that experience to be absolutely amazing. And I think if more sporting events did that, you'd find they'd be making even more money. They'd get more people coming out, they'd sell more things, even if it's at a cheaper price. the The enjoyment factor would be something that would be built. It's just fantastic, taking care of people. A couple of the other last points. One was um, there was the no cell phone policy. At the tournament, at the Masters, right, the practice rounds, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we went Monday, you could have a digital camera, but no cell phones. And so going in, let me tell you, walking into this place, uh, the mass of people walking in, looking up ahead, you could see the, the big metal detectors and the things that... You know, airports have and a lot of sporting events have. But you also saw a very heavy security presence. Um, Sheriff's deputies, uh, ATF people, I mean, and they were packing. Let me just say that. Uh, Very plain out in front of everybody. And you know what? You get it. Uh, You get the world class event that that is, they don't mess around. And so going through there, uh, we left our cell phones in the car and we dug out our old digital camera got to be at least seven or eight years old type of thing and we had to make sure it was charged up before we left and oh we got to make sure we have an SD card and uh, but that was a saving grace so um, over on Facebook I posted some pictures and um, just amazing response from people as far as knowing how much it meant to us especially me Uh, they were just you know genuinely happy for for the trip that we took so we're very thankful for uh, the digital camera but again we noticed quickly that people were talking People had their heads up. Um, there wasn't people walking around with headphones, right? I see that all the time, especially in school. In the hallways, and lunch, they come into class with them. You ask them to take them out, put the phones away. Um, in the workplace, I see it all the time. The sidewalks, walking. Uh, I see people driving, sad to say, people having their cell phones. It was so enjoyable, you guys, to go back in time, so to speak, talk to people, look them in the eye, and not miss it. There was a couple times early on. One, I remember, you know, in my mind, I'm like, hey, I want to see what the weather's doing. You know, something coming in, they got a uh, kind of a wind or a weather advisory type thing happening, you know, and if something breaks, I want to get the heck out of here. I'm not going to stay through a lightning storm, right? They wouldn't let you do that anyways. In fact, um, they had the siren going off probably about 3.15, 3.30, just as we started leaving. Um, the siren went off, and they did have some bad storms, but we couldn't check on our phone. I remember early on in the day, Reaching for my phone in my pocket, it wasn't there, and I quickly remembered, "You're okay. It's a, it's okay, right? You don't have to look it up." Um, but I, I wanted to look at the radar and just see what was going on. And there was another time my wife wanted to text our daughter to ask her if she there's a hat or there's something that uh, we were wondering if she wanted. And again, it was like, "Oh crap, we don't have it." Okay, well, I mean, it's okay. We survived. We survived talking. We started out, uh, like I said, we saw the first tee, Roy McIlroy couple other people that were golfing with him and it was uh, Dustin Johnson I think was one of them and we went on the back back nine so we went down hole number 10 I saw where Bubba Watson a couple years ago hit this miraculous shot from uh in the trees it was on the uh, pine needles couldn't even see the green right and he bent his shot uh going left to right because he's left-handed it worked out perfectly hit it up on the green and so I kind of looking at that spot I'm looking up at the green I'm like oh my god there'd be no way I just an impossible shot but he did it. So as we kept walking, we noticed there was a large crowd gathering around what uh, was the 14th green. And um, guess what? I had to ask somebody. He said, hey, who, who's coming in here? What group's coming in? Oh, Tiger Woods. I'm like, oh, really? Thank you. So we walked up there, too. Um, Heather and my wife, Sue. Uh, there were some stands, some bleachers. They went up and sat there for a little bit, taking some great pictures. Uh, me and Jim stood around the back edge of the green, right up against the ropes, and uh, a group just left, and we were seeing, we were watching. Everybody's looking. We could have binoculars. I had my binoculars, so I was kind of looking down there. Sure enough, here comes Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, and um, who was the third guy? Oh, Freddie Couples. Yeah, my, my grandma's favorite golfer. So the three of them come up, uh, and they hit some great shots in, uh, and then they start dropping some different golf balls in, and they were dropping them like in the rough, over the green, on the side. And then um, there was a hole, there's a placement of the pin. But the caddies walked around and then just with these little pencils marked around the spots that the pins would be each of the four rounds. And these guys went to work. It was flipping fantastic watching them. And, and me and Jim, we are talking to all the guys around us um, on how we'd just be happy if we got it on the green. But then, just to be happy to get it on the green usually means it's not going to stay on the green, right? It's going to roll someplace. These guys were dialing in on targets, you know, six inches or so, six inches uh, circumference, of maybe a foot, right? But they knew exactly what they were doing, and they just worked. They went around. They they were smiling, laughing a little bit. They weren't talking with the, uh, with the crowd too much, but they were talking with each other and the caddies a little bit. But they were working their tails off, practicing, getting to know, you know, each of the days what they would have to do. Because... You know, when they miss, they miss on purpose sometimes, right? Sometimes they don't, but I I miss not on purpose all the time. Um, You know, it just terrified me watching these guys tee off with so many people around. You know, Jim and I were talking. When we go out golfing, I'm a little anxious if there's the group behind us sitting watching. Like if there's two carts and, you know, four guys total, if they're there watching me, I get worked up and I do something horrible, you know, whiff or shank the drive or something. like that. I could not imagine with thousands and thousands of people lining around me and lining the fair. I would definitely, I would hurt somebody. My ball would definitely, I would have to yell four, which means heads up, you know, look out, something's coming. I would have to yell that before my shot. And uh, I was just amazed. But the no cell phone policy was so nice, you guys. It was fantastic. We really enjoyed ourselves. And we made a comment of that the whole day through, the whole day through. When we got back in the car, we had to sit in the parking lot for a while because everybody was getting out, like I said, with the storm alarm. Um, we noticed right away. Heather was up front. She was driving, and she kind of looked in the rearview mirror, seeing me and uh, my wife in the back, and uh, all four of us, heads down, we were back on our phones, right? None of us could get signals because I think everybody was trying to get on. Uh, but she kind of started laughing. She goes, look at us. Look at the four of us. What are we doing? You know? And it's like, oh, my God. We went right back to the Habits having our heads down, not talking, right, looking, 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 checking, 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 email, ooh, what's going on in this? And it was like, oh, my God. I felt, That's when I really felt as far as I liked not having it. It was really, really powerful, really powerful. Um, it's a great lesson there. I think we need to do that more often uh, where you go out on date nights, phones stay in the car or at least in your purse or pocket, don't bring them out. You know, I get it if kids try and call, if there's an emergency, I get it. But you'll always be able to get in touch with people, I think, uh, and lastly, uh, we flew home, oh, Tuesday. Um, some bad storms around the area. I'm not going to say the airlines. Um, the pilots did a great job, you know, uh, the, the crew did a fantastic job. That wasn't the pro- there was just headaches. There was just um, timely things going on with storms and uh, we landed into Charlotte um, and we're pulling in and we were just about to the gate. And the sensors went off, I guess, around the airport with the lighting. And I get it. I I totally, I support this. It's not like, I I knew what they were doing. The the airport shut down. (coughs) Excuse me. The airport shut down. Planes had to stand still. People that were uh, disembarking, if you were not already off the plane, you had to sit there. So we stopped, I don't know, 50 feet, 100 feet from the gate. But that also meant our connecting flight wasn't taking off either. So we had hope because it was delayed, our flight was delayed going out of Augusta, because it was delayed in Charlotte. Charlotte came down to Augusta, back to Charlotte. Um, So we're hoping, and there was three separate times, you guys, where, okay, folks, we just got word from the tower, Uh, we'll be pulling the plane up, they're going to be bringing the gate out, and we'll get you off here as soon as we can. 30 seconds later. Sorry, folks, hate to tell you the bad news. We just had another lightning strike in the area. They're getting their people, they get the crew uh, off the tarmac, off the uh, the people that are moving the equipment around, the stairs and the and the luggage things and all that, they've got to get into cover. and I get that. I'm not I'm not upset at that. But uh, it was frustrating three separate times that we thought we were off. If we would have gotten into the airport, before all of this, we would have made our connecting flight. So I'm telling you right now, we didn't make our connecting flight. Uh, I didn't exactly run, but oh my God, I hustled my tail off. and again, I don't run anymore, right? The arthritis and the surgeries have, have caught up to me, uh, but I tried. And I got there and it was just like that little kid pressing his nose against the window. You know, please, please. The plane was still there, but they had just um, started disconnecting all the cords. And uh, I saw the guy moving the the tire blocks away from the wheels. I'm like, and the door was already closed. and And I know, I don't travel all the time, but I know, hey, once that door closes, you're out of luck if you weren't here, right? And so we had to quickly book ourselves on a flight about four hours later. So we got home super late. Um, but there were, there were some angry people. <laughs> we, we sat down next to a couple of them um, because at one point on the flight, one of the times they thought we were getting off, they let us stand up. And we made our forward way to the plane, and then they shut it down again. So they said, you know, please, folks, if you can just sit down. Well, the captain said, you know, if you want to stay standing, that's fine, you know, stretch and stuff. And one of the flight attendants got on the radio telling everybody to sit down. And there's one guy who did not like being told what to do. And, and again, both, you know, the, flight, the one flight attendant and uh, the one passenger definitely could have handled things better, right? But they were both kind of ticked at each other. Uh, and so the one customer sat next to me. We were up in front, sat next to me. And I just tried to talk to him. I just tried to uh, kind of get him calmed down, diffuse, asked him where he's going. And he was a guy that um, rented out his condo in Augusta for golfers. Like, you know, this professional company comes in. They handle everything. You know, he gets paid a pretty fair amount of money. It's worth it. And he goes to Vegas. Well, he was on his way to Vegas. So um, his buddy had already gotten to Vegas. He was already at the hotel they were staying at together. And this guy just was not happy because, you know, rethinking it, he almost um, he almost took a, a car and drove to Atlanta, which is a couple hours, you know, the other side of Augusta, kind of heading, uh, heading west a little bit. And uh, he could have flown out of there and everything been fine. And he was just all this time, and just, I could tell he wasn't happy. So we talked, and um, kind of got him calmed down a little bit, because I, I don't like hanging around with negative, ticked-off people, right? And I just remember wishing him luck as we finally got off the plane. And I don't know what happened to him, didn't get his name or anything. But um, there were some angry people, really. Uh, and there were some other angry people walking through the airport, yelling at the top of their lungs that they will never fly this certain airlines again. As they're walking down you know, the main aisleway. Gates on both sides Uh, Older gentleman Top of his lungs Screaming That he was so fed up With this airlines I'll die before I get on This airlines again Never fly And I'm not naming the airlines Because you know Hey Sometimes things are out of their control A little bit Right But uh, So it ended Interestingly The dream Ended interestingly With people Right Back on their cell phones Back on The push The angry And that's one thing I noticed In the airport too As I try to wrap this up here um, my wife and I found a place for dinner. We relaxed, um, had dinner, we had a drink, and it was it was it was fine. We had we caught our breath. We, we, I stopped sweating profusely because I was running all over the place. But I noticed everybody running. Not everybody. A lot of people running. I went out to use the uh, I had to use the bathroom, so I had to walk back out into the airport and walk down a little bit. And people are dodging and weaving. It's like an Olympic sport. It's like you know running in between and you know, pivoting and, and spinning and, and cutting in between people, everybody's in a hurry. And I, I get you got to try to make your plane, but with the, the storms that came through and all the delays, I get why people, but typically people are always running anyways in, in, aer- in airports. It's a horrible place, horrible way to live, I think, as far as being in a rush, pressure, and I get you do what you got to do, right? But, man, I choose not to do that. You know, next time we're going to choose, we'll pay a little bit more money to have a non-stop flight, which we typically try and do. But, oh, my God, it was just so good to be home. I slept so dang good that night in our bed. Uh, got up early the next morning, didn't have much sleep, got into work, and, uh, you know, went right back at it. So this past weekend, tried to catch up on some sleep. Finally, about a week after now, I'm finally feeling better. So what? Somewhat back to normal, so to speak, right? But just, just to, you know what? Again, There's costs first um, podcast I did, I think, I represented cost. I talk about cost of going after your dreams. There's a cost here. We paid for it, right? There was there was hassle. There was things to overcome. There was challenges. And uh, by God, we still made it home. We're still okay. And we've got some great rem- memories and we got some great stories. And uh, So, you know what? Next time you're out there traveling, next time you're out there going after your dreams, sit back. right? Step outside the frame, so to speak. Remember, it's hard to see the picture when you're stuck inside the frame. Look at all the lessons that are around you. Look at all the lessons of being grateful. How there's somebody having it worse than you. There's somebody struggling more than you. Uh, There's somebody more angrier than you, hopefully, right? Uh, And just look at just calming down and being grateful and and taking it easy. Trying to slow things down a little bit, right? Enjoy the process. They say that all the time. I enjoy, I tried to, I didn't fully enjoy it, but I tried to enjoy the process of traveling back home, right? So that was... uh, that was uh, just a fantastic end to the trip of getting home, right? Our dog was thrilled, and our kids were happy, too, uh, to see us. But, hey, I hope this helps. I hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Definitely off the beaten path. Definitely uh, reporting on, you know, some ups and downs and some great things and great stories and things that I noticed and uh, this little excursion that we went on. I wouldn't change it. I, I would definitely, if it meant that I couldn't go back, you know, but the problems would be okay and we wouldn't spend the money, no flipping way. I'm glad we spent the money figure out how to pay for it later. Uh, I'm glad I, I I was hurting for days after arthritis-wise and um, you know, just not feeling myself, uh, but it was worth it. So go after those dreams. Go after those things that get you uncomfortable. I don't like flying. I don't like traveling all that much, right? I'm a comfort type of guy, you know? Um, going big places, tons of people. Uh, you know what? There's a little anxiety, I guess, developing in my older age, but it's worth it. Absolutely worth it. So you guys and gals, figure out what you got to do, figure out what you want to do next, and go after it. Career-wise, relationship-wise, right? Um, you know, education-wise, going back to school. There's Jeff Lips three things, right? Education, careers, and relationships, okay? And counseling, too. But figure out those things to do, you guys. It's worth it, okay? Hey, I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks for listening. I know I've gone a little bit over time. I definitely, when I sat down to start this one, I'm like, oh, this will be, you know, 10, 12 minutes. And it's going on 22, almost 23 minutes now. Oh, I apologize for going over time, but uh, just wanted to share some thoughts from my heart and let you guys know about uh, some lessons that I learned, okay? Hey, keep sharing this, please. I Thank you so much for I'm getting new listeners and getting new people chiming in here and there. Keep sharing this. I really appreciate the, the ratings. That helps. You know, the ratings on the various services, wherever you're listening to this, you know, give me a five-star rating if you think I'm deserving, you know, and if not, give me what you think I deserve. I, I, I am always looking to get better. I'm always looking to get better. Uh, so find me over on Facebook at coach 2 Success. Uh, over on Twitter at Coach2Success, uh, Instagram, coach John Daly, and over on my website, coach 2 com. The book list is there. I got a blog going. I'm going to finish that up hopefully today, um, get some stuff done this t- uh, tonight. Still at school, still at work, got some things going on with open house and stuff. Uh, looking forward to seeing some people and uh, getting some stuff done here. I'm going to grab something to eat real quick, but i uh, got stuff to do, and I know you do too. But thanks, for spending a little bit of your valuable time with me. I really appreciate it, okay? You guys take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk again soon. See ya.